Sally sells seashells down by the seashore. Is that what she does? <laughs> yeah. That nursery rhyme is actually based on a woman who famously collected a bunch of fossils and seashells and basically helped to prove evolution. And some of her examples are just up the street at the Wagner Free Institute. And everyone thought she was crazy. Huh. Yeah. I'm going to go see if my sandwich is ready. I'll be right back. Don't Okay, 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 okay. Baba Booey, Baba Booey. Baba welcome to Millennium Bug, a new podcast about movies from the year 2000. Yes, all of them. Every single movie. I'm your handsome host, Tyler. And I'm your cute host, Nick. Yeah, we'll go with it. That'll work. So, this podcast. Yeah. About movies from the year 2000. Thank you for saying it again. Because. Because. Here we go. Technologically, it might as well have been the 90s. But culturally, they thought they were in the year 3000. So I'm going to... Hey, the Jonas Brothers were right. Sure. We have been to the year 3000. (laughs) And this song has gone (laughs) multi-platinum. Did it? No, that was just what they said. And I know, but I don't know if this... So are there songs about the year... I guess I was going to say, are there songs about the year 3000 that will go platinum in the year 3000? But technically, that is the one. I hope it does. Self-fulfilling prophecy. There you go. Joe Bros, they got it. So this is about Meet the Parents today. Yeah. <laughs> Forget the Jonas Brothers for now. We'll get back we'll to get it. We'll get back to it. We're this talking is, uh... about the famed movie Meet the Parents. Starts off on a weird note. You've probably seen it on ABC Family or now Freeform. Is that what it's called now? Yeah, I was at Comic-Con oh. the year they were giving out all the promotional materials because they were switching names for no reason. That sucks. Freeform. That I got sucks. some Freeform putty. Oh. <laughs> slime, I guess it was. Oh. Freeform slime. <laughs> it goes everywhere. <laughs> yeah, <sorry>. wacky. <laughs> uh, yeah, it starts out on some a lot of weird notes. The whole movie is just weird note to weird sure. note. Sure. But specifically what caught my attention is a lot of Randy Newman in the yes. intro <laughs> i forgot up until this viewing that he did the theme yeah and and then they say music by randy newman and then they say the name of the song by randy newman I'm he like, holds a lot of power you know but then i don't think there's another randy newman song in the entire movie well <laughs> and then hard cut to the hospital <laughs> immediate tonal shift and uh to reveal our protagonist, uh, Greg Fokker. <laughs> and I have a note here that says, Ben Stiller plays Greg Fokker, a.k.a. the most boring man in the world, whose personality traits include being a male nurse, lying, and fitting in everyone's clothes. <laughs> I hate it because it's true. Which one of those points do you want to touch on first? Well, I guess we start on being a male nurse, so let's go from there. I'd say the most obviously dated part of this movie uh, is the the insistence on a male nurse being like uh, a recurring punchline. Yeah. <laughs> they really treat it like it's some goofy, ridiculous thing. Like three times they say like, you're going to be a doctor? You're going to move up it? Like... I, <laughs> As if someone would not have another reason for being a nurse 
other than stepping stone to doctor. It's like in a movie from the 50s when a woman gets a job and they're just like, oh, she's just doing that till she finds a man. Like, that's the tone <laughs> yeah, of it. He's just doing it until he can be a doctor. Clearly, he wouldn't want to be a nurse. God. What? Uh, and and uh. definitely, uh, they make a point of saying, not a lot of men in your field, huh? <laughs> Traditionally, no. Yeah. So, so uh, it's a lot of weird misogynistic tones. Yeah, and that's definitely true. It's definitely like a male voice movie. I don't think it would pass the Bechtel test. Shit, I should have been paying attention to that. Maybe in future. True. Episodes. I just like, based on just uh, what I know about the movie, I can't imagine it passed. Yeah. Uh, so male nurse male is one nurse. of his defining personality traits. Yes. Uh, being a lying man. Yes. Smoking cigarettes. He does smoke cigarettes. Um... And being average sized, I suppose. Uh, give me another personality trait of Greg Fokker. Uh, Not relying on the sequels. Justin Meet the Parents, where he's introduced into the world. Give so, me a personality trait. So I of don't get man. to talk about um, Meet the. Wait, Meet the. What's the third? Little Fockers. Literally, I don't get to talk about Little Fockers, where he stabs Robert De Niro's erect penis with a needle. No, no. Listen, let me set the tone for you for this for this story for this sidebar conversation. Hey, bring it over here for a little bit. I'll yeah. Just, let me talk to you over here for a second. Here's the scene. It's 2010. I'm right out of high school. I am quickly realizing that I am failing community college. We've all been there. <laughs> I decide, oh, I probably need some money, huh? I get a job at my local AMC multiplex theater. Uh, there aren't many perks to the job. One of the perks is free popcorn. The other perk is occasionally they'll let you see movies. Uh, uh, <laughs> strong uh, sort of focus on occasionally, because you'd think you should just be allowed to do that, right? Yeah. Um, no, so we get... An exclusive like team meeting where they say, we've got something special for you. Oh, no. <laughs> We're offering you guys an advanced screening of Little Fockers. <laughs> <laughs> no. And don't worry. Popcorn's free. <laughs> so I said, fuck it. I've got nothing else going on on my Thursday afternoon. I <laughs> Watch uh, Little Fockers with all of my coworkers who I do not like. Um, free popcorn in hand. We get to that scene, and I say, I don't know if I want to be here anymore. And uh, <laughs> I, I saw it through. Good. But at a certain point, it was, it was less uh, uh, an activity to quell the boredom and more an activity in survival because it was, it was a rough moment. Well, as somebody who has watched this movie at length for another podcast I do, I can say it's a very bad movie, and I'm surprised <laughs> that you got all the way to the penis-stabbing scene, and that's where you were like, maybe I should leave. I think that's the part that put it above and beyond. I guess that makes sense. But uh, Especially when the kid sees it. <laughs> <laughs> you and that kid were technically in the same universal role, seeing something they didn't want to see. Except you probably didn't cry like he did. Or maybe you did. And I don't think he was hungover like I was all the time at 18. Oh, Hollywood old. kids are always hungover. Sure. Okay. Yeah, they're out partying all night with uh... Ben Stiller ben and St Robert De Niro. <laughs> <laughs> Getting shit-faced at the go-go, you know. Yeah. 
Jesus Christ. So anyway, sidebar over. Come let's, come on back. Let's reel her back. Yeah, yeah, no, come on back to the other side of the room here, uh, metaphorically. <laughs> <laughs> Give me another personality trait um, of, of Greg Fokker. I mean, the one that really comes to mind is that he is just so desperate to please his girlfriend's parents. Lying man. Yes. That included in my notes. No, no, he's <laughs> not in lying, but like, you know, he like brings them a flower and like tries to buy them expensive champagne, which he can only find $13 mums, which is on sale. <laughs> you just yeah, buy a shitload of mums. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. No, but I don't think he's, I don't think he's trying to impress him out of like the kindness of his own heart. He heard as he was going to propose to his girlfriend in the beginning. True. In a spectacular fashion with uh, small children that she teaches. It's not just like small children <laughs> hanging out. Um, uh, she gets a phone call that her sister got engaged the same day. And Greg Fokker hearing that uh, the sister's fiance, Dr. Bob, went through through uh, <laughs> extreme Bob. lengths to gain the approval of their father, uh, he now decides he has to at least be in the same ranks as Dr. Bob. This is not a man who was like, man, I just really care about tradition and, and getting the approval of, of my girlfriend's father. He's like, fuck Dr. Bob <laughs> was, was his entire <laughs> mindset. Um, you know, this man sucks. I think growing up, I just always saw all the characters in these movies as the good people. Because that's like just the glaring thing you're supposed to pull from this right. movie. Like, he's a good guy trying to get his girlfriend's parents to like him. But now that I'm an adult and I'm watching them, I'm just like, oh no, some of these people aren't that good. Yeah, these people suck. And, and if you look at the Wikipedia summary, oh, it, no. says, uh, <laughs> it describes him as, I quote, kind-hearted. <laughs> and I disagree fully. <laughs> About a thousand percent do I disagree. This man sucks. This he spray man spray painted a cat. He spray painted a cat. He couldn't just like stop smoking cigarettes for a couple of days. He couldn't just not have sex for a couple of days. Uh, th- th- there's so many things. Ooh, you're really painting me into a corner here, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm coming out hot. No, he's a bad, he's a bad guy. I'll say it. Um, Greg Fokker. Or Gaylord Fokker. Gaylord Fokker. He lies about his name the entire the movie. Enti- including to but his also, girlfriend, maybe? I think his girlfriend knew. Because oh, okay. everyone else is like, your name's Gaylord. <laughs> Gay Fokker. And then like, the one guy's just like, oh, it's just a funny name. It's just, it's just not a common name. <laughs> yeah. That guy sucks, too. Oh, yeah. The, is that pretty, Dr. Bob? I think that was Dr. Yeah, Bob. Yeah, Dr. Bob sucks, too. I don't like Dr. Bob that much. I mean, later in the franchise, this is a franchise, by the <laughs> yeah. way, he divorces out of the family. <laughs> right. In the third one, I believe. Where what what else do I have here? Um, he fits into everyone's clothes. I want to talk about that. Yeah, that is a thing. A point. I understand the plot device of him losing his luggage. Yes, very funny. Sets up some gags down the road. Uh, you know, good time all around. However, they just he gets there and says, "Oh, you can take my dad's clothes." Like, what if the dad was played by Danny DeVito? That wouldn't work at all. That would have been a much better movie. Let's start <laughs> that there. That would have been great. Um, <laughs> but then when he's like, man, I feel uncomfortable wearing your dad's underwear. Let me go wear your brother's underwear who I've never met. I'm just assuming we're the same size. That's how men in this movie work. I mean, really, if you look at any man in this movie, they pretty much are all the same <laughs> size person. And then when it's like Owen Wilson, oh, I'll get you some swimming trunks. Assuming we're the same size, because of course we are. <laughs> I mean, everyone's a medium, right, in Hollywood? 
I guess so. Everyone's a medium. Except Pants, for Tom Cruise, medium. he's small. Oh, he's the smallest man in the world. <laughs> oh. Tom Cruise is two feet tall. Yeah, and they didn't have the brother's clothes large because he was a bigger man. It was large because this is still kind of the 90s and yeah. big clothes were a thing. And for... he, he's, he was a hip stoner boy. <laughs> Little Kim, you know. Little Kim uh, also included was a corn poster. I was really <laughs> drooling over his bedroom poster <laughs> choice. Um, uh, 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 quiet while recording or like quiet on set yes, type of I did. Thing. I like that. Yeah, there were some cool. good things. And then he had, wh- what was his, his little weed apparatus it was like a jester with like a, a dangly bell on it i think so something was, like that it's very ornate pipe <laughs> something you would buy at a head shop or so i've been if told. you will if you will um that kid sucks yeah <laughs> i don't know what else to say everyone in this movie sucks i mean everyone's bad um you want to keep talking about this or you want to go to my my very short segment that i have <laughs> we can go to your short segment i think we pretty much drilled how much he can fit in everyone's clothes Oh no. <laughs> My short segment is called It's the Future, isn't it? <laughs> what? So again, how I say culturally they all believe they were very far in the future. I now pay attention uh to in these movies uh what sort of futuristic lingo or or things they put in and meet the parents. Not a huge fu- futuristic movie, but right in the very beginning, she takes a call on her fancy little flip cell phone. She does. She does. Interesting. And, they, and they made it a point of it that it's like, oh, I'm on the cell phone here. And he's just looking up. New technology. Whoa, fancy smancy. That's not even the best of it, though. When Owen Wilson's uh, uh, Kevin comes into play. Yes. You learn that he's like a day trader type. And, and he recently made a fortune. And they ask how. And he says, oh, you know. All that new wireless IPO. <laughs> that's, that's insane nonsense talk. That means nothing. <laughs> and then he says, Greg, what what industry are you? And he says, I'm in healthcare. And he says, oh, you know what I'm talking about. All that new biotech stuff. <laughs> it just sounds like they copy and pasted some Jurassic Park jargon. Yeah. Right in this movie. Yeah. And they said, we're in the future, right? That's uh, a, <laughs> it's the future, isn't it? <laughs> Robert De Niro comes out dressed like the robot from um, <laughs> Lost World. <laughs> I was gonna Danger, say, Will Robinson. <laughs> That's so much better. I was going to say RoboCop. <laughs> uh, did Did you hear um that? Did Did you hear that Elon Musk is making another RoboCop? Or so I've heard. He put a he put a computer chip in a pig's brain. So oh ah. I'm sorry. That ain't a bad one. I'll Ah. give it to you. It ain't bad. You've had worse. Um, Oh, I've had worse today. And then at the end, towards the end, there's uh, what I'm assuming is the fanciest fax machine I've ever seen. True. That thing printed out crystal clear. Crystal clear very quickly. And it's like a big black box. It's very like sleek and modern. So it didn't have the 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 phone number pad on it, the keypad. So I'm like, was this was this just a printer that they emailed over a handwritten note, or is this a very fancy fax machine? Uh, implying that, of course, it is the future, and we have very fancy fax machines. I enjoyed the 
the point that was done for plot that in real life wouldn't happen, that she just happened to be right in the room. Like she was walking by when it printed and she's like, oh, and just grabs it. Perfect. My plot device is here (laughs) (laughs) right on time. I know when this is happening. Uh, Yeah, that. so that's kind of my segment. Well, yeah, something there is a your interest? theory I have about this movie. Love to hear it. I think that it's basically um, Final Destination, but for love. Oh, fuck. Because if you look at this movie, literally anything that could go wrong goes wrong. It's like like death tries to catch you if you evade it. Like right. a, a, a relationship failing is always going to try to catch you even if you evade it. So my theory is that this relationship should have never happened. And Love death is following Greg around. He he started with that phone call and then like losing the luggage and yada yada yada. So all that stuff was minor inconveniences. What what really makes me believe that is when he's unhinged at a certain point to say, um, he's chasing the cat. Oh, he sees his cigarettes on the roof and he says, "Fuck it, I'm this far in. I'm gonna have a smoke on the roof," and. When he flicks the butt, it lights damn near the whole house on fire. And at that moment, I, I can believe and then, like, that's it, love death. Um, it's very much um, Final Destination in that scene specifically. Because like then he kicks the gutter and it like swings over and knocks the power line off. And it swings down. A tree catches the blaze quicker than any live tree could ever catch on fire. And then it like catches the wedding altar. Oh, and a funny thing. You can see in the wedding altar, there's like, it, it's tiered a little bit so that there's like a little step up yeah um <laughs> i don't know why this caught my eye but i think they had explosives rigged in the <laughs> in the underneath of it because there's like a, a small perfectly cut out section that just kind of erupts a little bit i mean i'm sure they did when it catches on fire it goes like and like <laughs> it blows out this uh falls bottom and yeah it, in again the way that no even Deadwood would catch on fire. <laughs> I've lit a couple campfires in my day, and I'll tell you what, they don't explode. I've committed some light arson. <laughs> it's always slow. Never explosions. Well, sometimes. Hey, that Sunoco knew what they did. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, I got nipples, Greg. You want to milk me? <sighs> Robert De Niro, famed actor, Oscar nominee and winner. You want to milk me, Greg? Yeah, that I I remember being an iconic moment when I was like gearing up to watch the movie. I'm like, I know this quote. I know that's the one. For the life of me, I can't remember what the context is. And then watching it, it's a ridiculous context. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, again, lying man Greg Fokker uh overhearing um his soon-to-be father-in-law uh getting passports and such uh secretly for a surprise honeymoon that he's planning for his other daughter and uh almost getting caught in the act greg fokker goes and grabs the nearest free magazine which happens to be, I think it's called like Motherhood Monthly. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. And he flips to a random page, which happens to be about uh, breast pumps. And when when questioned, you know, like a normal person would do, what you're reading there, he says, you know, pumps. 
says, pumps? And he says, yes, I grew up on a farm. Like, I, that confused me because he's a nurse. Like, he could have just been like, oh, it's nurse stuff. Nurse stuff, easily. Nurse stuff, two words, done. And honestly, <laughs> it might not even be a whole lie. Yeah, yeah, you could really <laughs> get away with that. And, and, and such a flimsy lie of, I grew up on a farm when when your girlfriend is not in on the lie and True. knows you grew up in Detroit. So uh, fast forward to uh, this dinner scene and they say, uh, you know, they bring up, he grew up on a farm. She says, I thought you grew up in Detroit. He says, well, you know, it, like, it's not a farm per se, <laughs> you know, the pets and stuff. And I, he says, I had to milk a pet, <laughs> which is insane. <laughs> like you can't. <laughs> I have, I've had several pets in my life and I have never once even thought about milking one. I've, I've lived in a house that has had enough pets in it. There were more pets than humans. Safe to say you if you're, if you're reveling in the, the, the lie of an urban Detroit pet farm. <laughs> I'd say that this qualifies where there's more pets than humans. And again, never had to milk a pet. Um, so he tries to uh, get in the good graces and, and spin it and say, nah, I got you. I got you. There was a, a runt of the litter of a kitten who could not reach the, the teat, as it were. <laughs> and so hero Greg Fokker milks the cat in order to uh uh save uh geppetto is what he says he named the runt which is insane he can pull out that reference out of nowhere and say yes i named this runt geppetto look at me hero greg fokker uh but he, he can't say nurse stuff to avoid the entire story that he's now uh decided you looking up the the accuracy of that? No, there's something I want to bring up in the when he is asked to do grace. Um, Ooh, buddy, that's a so good one. early in their earlier in the day they were in I believe a CVS pharmacy getting just things for dinner the evening whatever something along that line they they Might said it right was age. it was something far, they say the name of oh, it, when it it was like a local but, one yeah. wasn't like a yep. some stop and go I don't know doesn't matter. Not at all. Um, he's in there, and the song Day by Day from the musical Godspell is playing. And I, I heard it, and it was like a very slow version, and I was like, that's weird. And then later when he's doing Grace as a Jewish man who's probably never said Grace, right. he basically just says the lyrics to Day by Day from Godspell. Oh, is that the it's joke? Like, oh, dear Lord, thank you for your service day by day by day by day. And just, oh. I heard, like, I really heard it both times, and I was like, oh... <laughs> That's very funny. That's, That's probably joke. the the most clever joke in the entire movie. Oh, almost definitely. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, director and creator Jay Roach, famously of at this point uh, Austin Powers and not much else. I was going to bring up his Austin Powers <laughs> notes. Yeah, Austin Powers and the first two Meet the Parents and Fockers movies. I don't believe he directed the third one for some reason. Yeah, he was a producer. I looked all this up on Wikipedia this oh, morning. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> Research, we'll call it. <laughs> <laughs> Research in air quotes. Sure, yeah. Um, if you haven't seen this movie, I guess we should just mention that um, they're going home. They're going to her home for her sister's wedding. She was proposed to, like, maybe a week before Two the wedding. Two weeks prior. Two weeks yes. prior, yes. 
And I just find it so stressful, the idea of meeting your partner's parents and it's a wedding you're going to. Like, that just puts so much extra, like... Yeah, and then something happened where he had to be an usher. Um, One person couldn't come. I forget right. what happened, but... So he, like, went from not knowing anyone to being intimately involved with the family, <laughs> letting them down at every possible turn, and being involved directly in the wedding. So this is a trope of a lot of movies, I feel. Um, I gotta meet the parents. I gotta figure, you know meet them and get to know them and get the approval and what have you. Yes. I've dated a few people. I have famously almost, (laughs) almost always met their parents. Maybe after a few weeks, if not a few months of officially dating, I've never gotten to the point where I'm like, I want to propose to this person and become engaged to marry them. Uh, So you've never paid a dowry, right? (laughs) But first, I have to know who raised them, because that's the point that I have, uh, I guess, not thought about for the entire relationship. So, like, off the bat, the the premise seems ridiculous to me. True. You've never just looked your lover in the eyes and said, what was your rearing like? Yeah. Where were you hatched? Yeah. I mean, you think about it. Yeah. You know, favorite color. Uh, uh, What do you do for work? Uh, a few steps later, what do your parents do? What do they like? Listen, I do graphic design sometimes professionally. I know. And that is only because my father does it professionally and he taught me. So, like, in my world, you can't really bring up one without the other. And then... At some point, people inevitably say, your dad sounds cool. I got to meet him. That's the trap. There it is. So the idea that, like, neither of these people have met each other's parents is insane to me. And I get it. They live in Chicago. The parents live in New York. The other parents live in Detroit, I guess. Although they also live on an island, apparently. Yeah, they live on, like, because they fly into LaGuardia. And I'm like, okay, you're going into the city yeah. for flying purposes. And then, yeah, fancy schmancy. Uh, wait, who are we talking about? The, the... De Niro's? Yeah, the De Niro's. I was talking about Greg's parents. Oh, Because in right. the sequel, they live on like a tropical island, which doesn't make sense now because in this movie, they from, live in Detroit. Or at least they're from Detroit. That's true. But I think it is mentioned that like, I called Greg's parents in Detroit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's weird. Flat point, Jay Roach. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Let's at him right now. <laughs> you you tied together all the Austin Powerses. You got Beyonce in there, but you couldn't handle this simple <laughs> plot point. <laughs> Tropical Island, Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. I've never been. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been to Motown either. She also makes she 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 has a great burn on him, which is uh uh <laughs> <laughs> milked a lot of pets in your time in Motown. <laughs> I do Damn, love every time great. Robert did anytime, every time anyone digs him, especially Robert De Niro, like for the weed stuff, he just always has a new reference to call him. Right. He's like, you probably know a lot about that. Don't you Cheech? <laughs> so many. Um, I do like that scene where they're, 
<laughs> where he gets confronted about the marijuana. And uh, it seems like the entire wedding party is in the fanciest hats I've ever seen. Oh, yes. Why? It's that kind of wedding. It's a Long Island wedding. <laughs> you don't go into one of those without your tailcoats and your good top hat. But why the top hat? That's insane. That feels even even like for 90 standards, the, the top hat wedding felt just it, it felt like it, it, it felt like they set that up so that later when uh, the cat destroys everything, he can do that funny sort of like and like pop out the hat to reveal some damage on the hat. Even I feel like that's the only reason they put that in there. So that, was, that definitely was a lost joke that would have made this movie better. What's that? The top hat. Or does he do that? He does. Oh, I when, must have missed that. When the, cat, when the cat destroys everything yeah. as he's going through the wreckage, he pops out the top hat, which has been flattened, to reveal that there are some scratch marks oh, or then that was bite marks. The only reason for that joke, <laughs> <laughs> for that top hat to Or exist. other than the, the, the absurdity of, of, look at this man in this fancy hat, and we're never going to address it. <laughs> A top hat wedding sounds like one of those slang terms for like when a gay guy marries a straight girl or something. <laughs> uh, they're having a top hat wedding in Long Island. <laughs> uh, he might be married, but he'll always be an eligible bachelor to me. Jesus Christ. He's a real lamplighter. <laughs> yeah, you got more keep him coming. Gentleman with a limp handshake. <laughs> That's all I got off the yeah, top of my head. Okay. I have a list on my phone, sure. but I'm not going to get it out. Your phone is on next Oh, to my you. phone is on. Would you? No, it is on for a different reason. I watched a movie that wasn't this movie last night, and I just want to mention one little plot point. Sure. It was called Critical Condition. Okay. It starred that guy. That, oh, great. Wow. Yeah. Uh, um, thanks for the Richard insight. Pryor. Okay. Yeah, that's his name. And um, so the, all this stuff happens. He's working in a hospital. He's not really a doctor. Goofy, goofy. And he's dealing with all the um, drug addicts. And the one guy is like a Vietnam vet. And he's talking about working on helicopters. And he's like, yeah, when I was on my little Asian vacation, which is what he called going to Vietnam, which I thought was hilarious. Oh. That was it. I've never heard Vietnam referred to as my little Asian Asian vacation. vacation. (laughs) Sure. Good for him. So (laughs) pertains to nothing. Well, Asian vacation... He's, oh, he's planning. Look at that. He's planning a honeymoon to an island off the coast of Thailand. Yeah, which feels very that's an specific, specific, and uh, maybe he's planning some weird sex stuff for him. Maybe I. Yeah, it. Make sure you go to the right neighborhood. It asks more questions than it answers. True. Um, but there's also what felt like it was supposed to be a bit, but didn't quite land with me. Uh, where he says, I, I heard him uh, speaking Thai. And then the wife goes, Jack doesn't talk Thai. <laughs> and there's the alliteration. <laughs> okay. And then he says, uh, Greg says, he, I think it's like, he do talk Thai. He talk Thai good. And I was like, <laughs> is this what? like... He doesn't say it with an accent, so it's not explicitly racist, but I was like, I don't get this, but it doesn't feel good. In my mind, <laughs> here we go. In my mind, he's just playing off of the fact that she said talk Thai. But why but did she say it? It's, it's weird. It's, it feels, yeah, it feels like a bit, but I don't get it. I, what if we found out this whole movie was improvised? 
That would make way more sense. <laughs> Everything would be better. Really. That, would, that would make a lot of sense. Uh, unfortunately, I can't say that it was entirely improvised because this brings me to another point that <gasps> I wanted to talk about, which is that this is uh, a remake of sorts of a 1992 movie. So a movie from just eight years previous called Meet the Parents. Um, really? Upon learning that, I did not watch this movie, but I looked it up and it is absurd it is more absurd than this movie meet the parents 1992 it is about a man also named greg so this movie oh dear even the cover art is insane it it looks like a a movie from the 60s into into each life from wait here we go yeah you got it Ooh, into each life some rain must fall greg better build an ark (laughs) (laughs) like (laughs) <laughs> like, what does that mean? That's insane. Produced in association with Emo Phillips, famous stand-up comedian yeah. and friend of Weird Al Yankovic. So, this movie, the 1992 version, from the synopsis I've read, starts off with a man at a gas station, an unnamed man at a gas station, talking to the uh, attendant, saying, I want to propose to my girlfriend. I got to meet her parents. Which... Makes this gas attendant say, you don't want to do that. I've got a story about a man named Greg. So Ooh, the, I kind of like that setup, though. So the whole movie exists as a, as a story from a, a wayward gas wow. attendant. And essentially, uh, it's, a, it's a not too dissimilar premise. You know, he's got to get the approval. There's a sister who's uh, there. Um, but some of the gags are just like, really out there uh in, including uh accidentally stabbing the mother-in-law in the eye <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh oh dear and so there's apparently a recurring joke that the sister is wants to be a singer yeah she wants to be a professional singer and and apparently she sings poorly in this 1992 version. That's her whole thing is that she wants to be a singer and she sings very poorly. That's the funny joke. Ha ha. Uh, so for some reason that, you know, I didn't watch the movie, so I don't know the, the nuance of it or if there was any, something tells me this is a movie greatly lacking in nuance. But uh, for some reason, she believes that uh, Greg is connected to some big record producer or something. And so she insists that Greg hears her sing and she does. And it's not great. And he tries to not make a fuss, tries to be very neutral about the situation. You know, he's already stabbed this girl's mom in the eye amongst other, uh, heinous acts. Uh, but I believe he makes like a, a, a small criticism which leads her to hang herself. Oh no. Leaving a a lipstick note that says, Greg killed me. (laughs) Oh no. I need to see this movie. I'll tell you that much. And that's where the story ends. There's no redemption arc of, I get the girl back. It just flashes back to the gas station and ends with, and that's why you shouldn't propose to your girlfriend and meet her parents and Randy Newman did the music for that movie as well. <laughs> Probably. Oh, man. and then, uh, apparently the ending of the movie is this man 
leaves the gas station shaken and another man comes up to the gas attendant and says something something about uh the circus which leads him on to another story he's like well i got a story for you close scene i guess they intended to make this a <laughs> wayward gas attendant story <laughs> anthology series i I got, first of all, I really love the framing device of the gas attendant telling the whole story. <laughs> Second of all, I would have loved if it ended with him just saying, well, I've got a story about a man named Greg. Greg and it's right. just all made up bullshit <laughs> about the same guy. Um, wow. Yeah. I did not know that was the thing. That sounds fantastic. And after learning about that, I thought it would be very interesting if the sister randomly hanged herself in the 2000 movie and said, Greg the, did this to me. <sighs> And then you could do the big reveal at the end of the the teddy bear cam to find out that it wasn't actually Greg that killed her, but I don't know. Dr. Bob, I guess. Yeah, maybe, maybe, but the teddy bear cam, another future thing. Why do they have this, this recording device situation? Because Robert De Niro doesn't trust anyone. He was in the CIA. Especially babysitters, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, early on, he says, can you trust anyone? And Greg says, yeah, I think so. And he goes, no, you can't. As as much as Greg is the villain of this, I think Robert De Niro definitely has a few moments where he is just like a bad person. Yeah, yeah I mean, not got, bad, but like of framed by his 30 years of CIA work. He is, he is an older man who is perhaps too protective of his family, specifically his firstborn daughter. True. A, uh, uh, a classic sort of male father issue that... Uh, yes, the female fathers don't have nearly as much trouble. Maybe, I don't know. I was just making fun I, of you I, saying male father. Well, to, to, I to frame it as a, as a masculine issue. I understand. Um, it, it's... Still not solved in 2020. Um, so, you know, maybe there is a little bit of uh, resonating <laughs> outside of time themes. But I think he's an older man, protective, struggling with the idea of I've got to let my one daughter go. And now this other daughter is bringing home this asshole man, um, this lying bastard man. And and I think that he his expectations for Greg I in my mind were not that abnormal although I guess we could have seen how abnormal the expectations would have been had Greg not been a lying bastard man true um because in my mind it seems like he's got some fucked up uh reasons or 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 ways of accomplishing what he wants you know CIA interrogation techniques, which were not even that crazy. He hooked them up to a polygraph. As far as CIA operations go, being the year 2000, um, <laughs> he went through the 80s. Uh, oh. He worked through the 80s in in that world. So he he waterboarded people. Oh, for sure. You know this. Like it's it's got to be real that he's De Niro's character has waterboarded people. Uh, so yeah, it feels like hey, what do you do? Be honest with me. You a decent dude? Sure. But instead, Greg goes through absurd lengths to try and, like, be friendly with these people and, like, be cool with them. And it starts with trying to, like, hug and kiss the mom. 
It's like, yeah. read the room, buddy. That was a little... I never, like, I never really noticed in past watchings how, like, there was a weird, uncomfortable, like, half second when that occurred. Yes. Never was like, oh. Yeah. And, like, this this leads me to a point that I've wanted to talk about now for the entire recording, which oh, is... please do. We've both been in this situation before. We've both kissed a mom. Well, probably. <laughs> Weirdly or not, we've... I assume our own mothers at some yeah. point. Yeah. I was yeah. trying to think if I kissed anyone that's had children. I don't think I have. You've never like cheek kissed like I mean, an aunt or something? No, I've done you that. Know? I was just thinking like real kiss. Like oh, a man wh- kiss. <laughs> like when you hold two lizards and mash their yeah. faces together. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of kiss. Uh, well, he doesn't do that in the movie. So Yeah, he gives her tongue. You don't remember? Fuck. Listen. Yeah, I guess I was falling asleep during that. Yeah, you want to get a little closer and do that? No, I'm good. Okay. I, I um, made my point. I would love to hear an experience of yours of being the 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 significant other meeting the parents. Oh man. Um hmm. or anything in the situation cuz I've got I've got some pretty deep parallels myself, but I've never had ones that were this dramatic. I've definitely like dated people who have not had both their parents, like the one parent they did have was very difficult just in general sure um i definitely like met someone's parents then we broke up like very soon after and one of the things they brought up was like why'd you want to meet my mom if we were gonna break up and i'm like i don't want to talk to you anymore (laughs) i didn't know we were gonna break up then but i did now yeah i'm a simple man i work on a (laughs) day-to-day schedule (laughs) pretty much you can't expect me to have a week in advance ready Ooh, there was one specific instance i guess it It was into it I guess it would be like my first serious girlfriend. We dated for like two-ish years, I think. I was in high school still. She had graduated and was going to college. Ooh, scandalous. So like I would spend time at her house and I knew her family. And like she had, I don't want to say a tragic life, but like I don't think she liked her home life that much. Her dad was like a very stern like man who like did like man things. You know, yeah, you yeah. know me, so sure. obviously we clashed some. <laughs> right. And her mom w- worked at, like, a giant and just drank a lot when she got home. She was, like, a wine mom. And their house just so had, you, like... So you had more in common with the mother. Pretty much, the yeah. Father. But even still, her mom, like, was very mean. and Her parents were just mean, and they scared me a lot. And, um, yeah, it gave me, like, a very big, like, Dolly Parton Christmas special vibe anytime I was at their house. Because it was always just a little sad. Oh, was there anything more to, like, a specific I mean, situation that happened? But One time I accidentally broke her windshield. Ooh. Because she was, um, uh, how do I put this? She was popping zits on my face. <laughs> and in her car, I was in the passenger seat. Because yeah. she enjoyed doing that. We had a very healthy relationship. Sure. And my feet were on the windshield, and I pressed too hard, and it cracked. And then I had to go in and tell her dad that I cracked her windshield. Ooh, what did he say? I... I remember I was super nervous about going in, and then I went, and he was like, well, get it fixed. Oh, and then he left. Right. And it was very anticlimactic. Fair. I wish I had a better story, but, like, there's nothing I can dig up. I'm sure next by next week I'll have dug something up. <laughs> for this episode? Story. Yeah. Yeah, for next episode. I'll just, I'll work on a week delay for right. every question yeah. you ask me. But, um, yeah, what about you? When did you meet the parents? Okay, so there's there's a part of this movie that you know obviously it's meet the parents but it's also meet the ex-boyfriend true and the ex-boyfriend is 
loved and the nicest man in the world and successful and just a guy you want to hate. <laughs> um, yeah. So I was dating a girl. Uh, dad was not really in the picture. So very like protective, intense mom. Yeah. Um, and so everything was like, you got to make sure you're in her good graces. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not that type of guy. I'm <laughs> not, I'm like, she was a very, like, I need a man who's going to protect my daughter. <laughs> and, and I'm not a protective type. I'm not a, I'm not a big, strong man. Um, this is an audio format, but if you could see me, I don't scream protector right now. I scream <laughs> man who has not showered. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you're wearing a robe too, which really adds to yeah, it. Yeah, it's really great. Um, <laughs> so, th- I mean, that was like difficult, nothing too crazy. It was, it definitely resonated like the, the, the questions I've received, especially from her mom w- were like in the same way as like, Greg knew he was fighting a losing battle from the start. So he tried really hard. I did not try that hard, but it was like, Oh, so what do you do for work? Like, uh, well, sometimes I'm a bouncer at a bar. Uh, sometimes I record rappers in my home and get paid for it. Like there weren't many things that I could say that I do professionally that, sounded good the only things i could say were like the freelance graphic design but those weren't frequent enough for me to be honest in saying that especially at that time um and i think for a a period of time i was unemployed when we were together and it's like well mom didn't like that but uh i was like what are you going to school for well music business and tech okay well what do you plan to do with that I want to run a studio for like rappers and pop singers. It's just like the, this, she, her mom worked in like, like military defense. Ah. This was, yeah, this was not a woman who was <laughs> interested in any of my artsy fartsy nonsense. <laughs> she was not very Hollywood as you would say. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Yikes. and then, then enter the, uh, ex-boyfriend. The ex-boyfriend was someone that she had grown up with. They were like best friends and then they dated and it's like the mom loved him because they, she watched this guy grow up and they were like, oh, he was always across the street. He was such a kind boy. And then he went into the Marines (laughs) and he's like a big strong dude and like very macho and very like, I drink beer and smoke cigars, but I will also like walk old ladies across the street and I... All at the same time. Yeah. I I murdered people halfway across the world and people find that honorable. Oh, Oh, dear. So when he comes into the picture, um, girlfriend at the time, she runs and gives him one of those like monkey hugs, like the grasping on fully. And I'm like, I don't love that. (laughs) (laughs) And then, of course, he's just like nicest guy in the world, like handshake that like eclipses my entire hand <laughs> and, and like what what are you supposed to say to that that's a tough one you, you don't that's, say i anything. mean that's a movie setup right there like, exactly that doesn't happen in real life except that one time to you yeah and then uh you know weeks later you get into an argument about it because you're like i don't like this guy and she says why and you're like because i'm insecure <laughs> that's the whole crux of it but uh you know 
you get upset about it. And so uh, the the scene where they're meeting uh, Owen Wilson's Kevin, uh, which I'm I'm never gonna just call him Kevin. It's gonna be Owen Wilson's Kevin. Uh, <laughs> that just like that was the only like redeeming moment for Greg as a character for me because I was like, oof, been there, been there <laughs> big time. When when he's just like they're like, oh, what do you do, Kevin? He's like, oh, everything great in the world. <laughs> and I I salvaged this. Uh, what they say? He said I salvaged this woods from from a seaman's chapel. And then <laughs> tuck it. Yeah, <laughs> tuck it. And then, you know, he's got the Viking hood on the on the stove. And and he's like, I have a pool and a barbecue. Uh, what do you say? Uh, he says something like, uh, like, barbecue's hot and the pool is Luke. <laughs> like, I, I hate this guy. Oh, I God. hate everything about this guy. Um, and the whole family loves him. And he's the, the, uh, the, the sister's fiance, she's he's his best man. And man, it just it brought me back to that specific relationship. And I was like, I here I am meek <laughs> in skinny jeans, uh, which is they don't understand at all. Like, why can't you wear loose jeans like a man? <laughs> um, and this is before I started going to the gym, so my arms were tinier even then. Um yeah, it wasn't great. And then another story I have is about uh, the first time I met a significant other's parents. It's weird to call her a significant other because we were in like eighth grade. We dated for like two years, eighth and ninth grade. What? It was super intense. It was the most serious thing in the world. I cried for like three days when we broke up. And then three months later, I realized, why did I cry that much? I am a child. <laughs> um. Anyway, so we... Uh, her dad, I, there's a through line here. That's going to become a very obvious, uh, that I'm sort of realizing right now in my life, uh, in real time that you're going to now realize immediately. Her father was an ex Marine. Um, huh? Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) Apparently I am attracted to and attract girls who, uh, have significant male, uh, role models in their life that were military. I don't know why I am involved in that, but it happens. And her parents were like pure Italian, ah. straight off the boat Italian, but like also like a Marine and I love America type. Hmm. So they were like asking me about like what my heritage was. Oh, <laughs> and I yes. was like Irish german and polish (laughs) they're like no italian i'm like nope and they're like "Hmm." (laughs) and as a child you're like what do i say to this like (laughs) there's that 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 at least you didn't pull a greg and just lie and say although you could have and say yeah i'm 100 100 but just got off the boat last week gabagool sicily gabagool (laughs) (laughs) yeah and and so the 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 only I think the the idea of this movie was this relatable feeling of like, I know my girlfriend's parents aren't going to like me, but I still have to try. You know, now that I think about it, I did once date a girl who was Greek, like my big fat Greek wedding Greek and her parents were my big fat Greek wedding Greek. And if you've seen that movie, you understand where I'm going. Yes. And I faced very similar adversity. 
But it was weird because like walking into it, you know, oh, like yeah, it, no. I'm fucked. And like we met on Tinder too. So like Ooh. there was a whole other level where we were lying about how we met and stuff, how met we met and stuff like that. And her brother was like a big like country truck driving hick dude, which always confused me because like her whole family was like Greek Greek. Yeah. And she was like, but I just, bet they were proud of him. Uh, probably. Uh, they didn't really talk about him. He was okay. just kind of there. Very much like an ogre, that one. <laughs> eh. Okay. Also, when you were talking about work you were doing, I realized that I mostly get along with moms. Yeah, you me too. You could probably guess. I mean, you know, we got big mom energy. Yeah. We have fun mom energy. And, like, every job I've really had, I don't think screams, like, good boyfriend. I mean, I think you I... want to go through the list? ...have been a good boyfriend. Just recently, I mean... Bartender. Bar, bar, bar. Bar, 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 soda jerk. Yeah. Cranologist. What? I worked at... Don't worry about it. Okay. No, I worked at the Crayola Experience in Easton, Pennsylvania as an entertainer. I did shows with all of the old factory equipment. I would make... You did jazz hands when you said the word shows. I made hundreds of thousands of crayons in my time there. And uh, yeah, I guess that one would fall under a good boyfriend, but still. I don't think so. Probably I don't. I don't think the fathers we're talking about <laughs> would appreciate the the Crayola jester. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was a weird time in my yeah. life. Um, yeah, like I. I mean, I've now learned through experience how to uh, deal with fathers like that. You know, you sip on some whiskey, you smoke a cigar, you talk about Zeppelin or something, and they're easy. Dads love Zeppelins. <laughs> yeah <laughs> classic blimp enthusiast every uh father of every girl i've dated hey man, <laughs> All blimp if, if you have that one thing um, going for you i've learned about football i think uh i i mean i enjoy the the sports game but i think i i think i initially got into it because i was like i need to tap into this masculine energy it's going to help me down the line at some point I feel like I'm pretty good at faking my way through masculinity. You just need to know how to do it, especially yeah. when you're meeting. Uh, it's like um, like drag. It's like improv yeah. plus drag, yeah. and all you're doing is pretending to be more of a man. But then when I yeah, but then when I hang out with moms, I'm like, I fucking got this. Oh yeah, in the bag. Not even a fucking <laughs> nothing but net. <laughs> Free throws for days. Forget about it. You want to drink wine? No wine coolers. You want to go on the beach and have a weird see-through visor? <laughs> I'm here for it, lady. A lot of Cheetos. Don't worry about it. I packed the sandwiches. You're goddamn right I stopped at Wawa. These are the best. They're not the best, but the moms Ooh. the moms of girls I dated often think that the best uh, uh, beach snack is, uh, is Wawa sandwiches. So, any other trauma you want to get into? <laughs> No, this is about movies, right? Yeah, movies. Um, we don't we don't <laughs> we don't have trauma. We watch movies. I was thinking the word test drive. Oh, I'm gonna put this together for you. It said test run, my brain went test drive, and then my brain went that weird racing scene. Yeah. Also, I did love the subtext of like, oh, um, he let me drive the doctor let me drive, and we cut to the doctor like waving from the window, clearly. He's not that drunk, but the idea is that they yeah. think he's hammered, yeah. and I, I thought that was very funny. Yeah. Like, I've been in that situation myself of being the sober driver, and, like, people look at the passenger, and they're like, oh, okay. Oh, him, yeah. <laughs> the lush. Um, that was the moment. Up until then, I was like, uh, the 
Robert De Niro, Jack is I think his name. Yes. Awful names, first of all. Dr. Bob is the best name in this because <laughs> it's so easy to remember. By and large. Yeah. It's like, what is it? The the daughter's name is Pam. Yes. And there's Greg. And then there's Jack. And then there's Kevin. I don't remember the wife's name. These are just the whitest names. And they're so generic, too. It's like so easily forgettable. But up until that point, I thought, you know, Jack is an aggressive, intense man. He needs to work out these things. But at the same time, in his world, in his, his mind, not entirely untrue, Greg's been lying a lot. True. <laughs> and I'm just trying to figure this guy out and make sure he can marry my daughter. I'm trying to figure him out, and he just won't tell me the truth, and I keep telling him about, I brought him into my circle of trust. I, I let him know I value honesty above all things, and this man will just not tell me the truth. That's the vibe I got the whole time. Except for at that point, when they're having like a speed racer moment, I was like, oh man, like this guy, okay, he has it out for Greg. He's, yeah. he's now officially the villain. But that's at, like the very end of the movie, right before his redemption arc. Um, also, a, a weird part about that. Uh, how did Greg know that the real cat was around? So what happens right before that, the, the inciting incident of the race huh. is that Greg is on the phone calling around shelters and stuff. Find me the real Mr. Jinx. I've got the imposter cat in there. Um... I spray painted the tail. This ain't going to last. I need to get home and swap out the cat. But what happened was on the phone next to him, Jack is receiving a call that says, the real cat has been found. It is next door. Huh. But Jack doesn't say, thank you for finding my cat. I will be right over. He says, oh, perfect. Great. I'll, I'll come right over. I mean, the only thing I can assume is that like, since Robert De Niro was in such a rush to get out of there, Ben Stiller was like, oh, something's going down. I better right. at least get rid of the cat before it gets home. <laughs> Yeet the cat away. Pretty much. Um, Throw that bitch out a window. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe. But then they have their weird uh, uh, red light race. True. Sometimes movies don't make sense. Case in point, this entire movie. Because <laughs> um, at the end, he's like, are you a pothead? No. Have you smoked pot? Yes. Okay. Sure. Where earlier he was like so adamant about like, I've got to win this guy over. I've got to let him know I've never touched the marijuana. What do he say? He says, I've, I've said no to grass or something like that. Uh, he's, I think he's like, I always say no to grass. Yeah. And then Greg, the other Jack is like always. And he's like, well, I not mean, always, but no, yeah. yeah always. <laughs> Which clues you in. He's, <laughs> If you were really a prude like that and never smoked pot, you would probably still call it marijuana. You wouldn't be like, oh, the grass, like it's a hip kid thing. Yeah, this man sucks. I don't like him. Greg really had it. Like, he he has a job in the medical profession. He really could have, this could have been so easy if he just didn't lie the entire time. The entire time. And also, if he would have just carried on that bag. Yeah. But I know they wouldn't let him, but like, you know. He, so here's my solution to this entire movie. You're in an airport, yes. Yes. Before airport security, not often, but most times, there's usually a place to buy a bag. Yeah. Why don't you 
Get a couple of th- get get a little book bag. Get a purse, even. Who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean you're right. You know, it's get 2000. something. Yeah, and 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 put like the ring, and maybe a couple of things to get that that bag size down into your your purse or your messenger bag or your book bag. I won't pretend to know his uh his choice of bags, um, and then check the other one. And then put your bag through. Easy peasy. And usually, at least in my experience traveling, if you get a carry-on, you also get a personal item, which can be a backpack. Yeah. So it could have even worked out great that he could have gotten both through. Yeah, because then, then you take down the amount of stuff in the one bag. Therefore, it now fits through as a carry-on. True. And you've got your book bag that can go nicely under the seat. Problem solved. Movie averted. This whole movie was really just a big schmear campaign for Samsonite. Yeah. All, I did love the line when he was on hold with um, the airport people, and he's like, Could, did you ever consider that perhaps the company Samsonite would make more than one of the same bag in order to turn a profit? <laughs> in a scheme to turn a profit, yeah. <laughs> in some a, evil scheme. That was a good one. Um, the, the, the immense dunking on American Airlines constantly, <laughs> yes. that was fantastic. Uh, imagine how different do you think this movie would have been if it came out a year later in the year 2001 oh yes okay <laughs> yes that holy that was a point uh, another point and, and perhaps one of my last points of this um was there is a huge <laughs> moment in there where he's just saying bomb 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 yes <laughs> bomb 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 he verbally assaults a flight attendant and then says the word bomb about 12 times. And says, times. I don't, it's not like I have a bomb or something. And he's like, you got to take it from my kung fu grip. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked it up. This movie came out in October of 2000. So this is less than a year later. Uh, and then he's like, you can't say bomb on a plane. And he's like, why not? Why can't I say it? Bomb, 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 bomb. And I love that the the air marshal like that has him in the room it, literally all he says is you can't say bomb you on a plane say bomb. And then, and then he says not? it again and then yeah. he walks out because you can't say it and it's like if only they knew if only so did ben stiller do 9-11 greg did 9-11 oh greg but greg from the 92 version oh yeah that greg that, <laughs> that greg is unhinged <laughs> so what's your uh let's bring it home here bring it home What's your uh, your final sort of idea or thought in the frame of how does this movie hold up 20 years later? Um, I think the entire movie is a very cleverly, cleverly disguised dick joke. But cleverly enough that like it could pass in like an American home. Like parents love this movie. But also, if you're a little bit of a high teenager, you get all the like, haha, pee pee poo poo jokes. And I think it like, it plays that very well to the fact that it, even if it's not a good movie, in my opinion, it will keep being a movie that people watch. Hmm. I feel like it can play to both sides. Yeah, I guess it's got that, that, uh, that Jay Roach, uh, that Jay Roach charm, that, that charm. Well, of, of. Uh, definitely a lot of problematic moments, especially as it as it gets older. Uh, Isn't it odd that as this and the uh, the Austin Powers movies age, the Austin Powers movies are aging better, or at least are less problematic as they get older? I'd say. I think inherently those movies are wittier and funnier than this, but it's true. You know. It also had Michael Myers as a writer. 
Yeah. And like every character. What happened to the old days when one actor played every character? There were a good few movies like that. <sighs> now there's just American Pickle. <laughs> Seth Rogen plays two people. <laughs> he plays himself, but older and more Jewish somehow. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's it's got that, that Jay Roach flavor that is... Uh, it's... Obviously, there are jokes that are of the time that were supposedly very funny, but now on a on a rewatch in a in a 2020 lens is like, oh, these ain't great. (laughs) But somehow, yeah, there's this like bro comedy aspect that I think will always there. There will always be some jokes in there that that tickle the funny bone, as it were. Well, that's a podcast. That's a podcast. You can fit so much podcast in that bad boy. I'm going to keep calling myself this. I'm your handsome host, Tyler. And I'm your cute little host, Nick. And I hope this was funny enough to keep it going. No, we'll see. Bye. Bye. Wow.